You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everyone, and welcome to issue 28 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on Wednesday, May 25th. As usual, I am your host, Vince, with my co-host, Roger. How you doing, buddy? I'm pretty damn good today. I got to say- I'm on holiday. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> I got to say, before we get into it, uh, fantastic job on that Janet Lee interview uh, last week. Oh, yeah. I listened to it. I loved it. And hopefully everybody else out there picked up that bonus episode we put out last week. Yeah, you know what? That was a blast. She was just a darling. She was fantastic to talk to. Um, very easy to get along with and just shoot the breeze kind of stuff. It, did not take herself seriously at all. And it's it, it was really a lot of fun talking to her, too, just to, to hear that excitement about the Eisner nomination. I mean, obviously, considering it's her first foray into comics, that's huge. Um, but then also to hear the behind the scenes and and that enthusiasm that she has about what she does and still having fun with it. I, I just love talking to people like that. Yeah, great, great listen. I really enjoyed it. Sad I could not be there. Yeah. Uh, but not really a news thing, but just something I want to bring up real quick. Um, I'm getting some early reports that the new X-Men movie, First Class, is, is good. actually really good. I'm I'm kind of excited because it didn't look that good to me. So hearing as many people as I am saying very good things about it, uh, it's something we might be discussing in the coming weeks. Yeah, no, I uh, I've been reading the same things too, and I'm unlike you, I I kind of have been really looking forward to it throughout, and I have had a good feeling about it. Granted, again, it's one of those things where the potential for disaster is there, so you kind of keep that in the back of your mind always. But I don't know, it it just it looked like it was going to be good. I there's certain aspects that I kind of was a little leery about, but it looks like maybe it's pulled all of it off. Yeah, I, I've been making fun of the movie for about a year and a half now, so that's a pretty big crow I'm going to have to eat. Yeah, no kidding. You're good <laughs> at that. Experience, my lad. Hey. You've got plenty. I, I, I can fit my whole foot into my mouth at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what we're actually talking about this week is really one of the uh, premier comics coming out right now, and that is FF. Um, going to put this out here. If for some bizarre reason you still don't know who died in the Fantastic Four, we're going to ruin your day. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> because it's we, been months now. Come on. You, you would be surprised. You would be surprised. So FF is the follow-up to Fantastic Four, and the FF stands for Future Foundation, the group that the surviving members of the Fantastic Four have set up in order to better the world. Because it's not really four people, as we're seeing here. Of course, they brought in your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man to replace Johnny Storm. That was... Really great. I, we've been getting some great issues and tie-in stuff going on. An amazing Spider-Man has been fun. And he's just a great fit for the team, especially filling in for Johnny. Um, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 661, the tribute issue they did to the Human Torch. That was phenomenal. Did you have a chance to read that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was. It was fantastic. Yeah. So, but in addition to Spider-Man, we have, you know, all the various kids they have running around um, practically a whole little farm of young super geniuses and they're just coming up with all these crazy plans and ideas and the by far craziest that we saw at the end of the first issue was the other member of the future foundation 
Dr. Freaking Doom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just led to a pretty entertaining comic so far, seeing all the characters interacting off of each other. Doom hates everybody, but he's there for a reason. They hate Doom, but they need him. <laughs> and to, Especially when you get to issue three and uh, today's issue four, when you have all of the various supervillains coming together into this little conference. I've loved those scenes. Um, what have you thought of it? Initially, when I read the first one, we talked about it, and I was saying that I wasn't sure... I would, it didn't hook me right away. I wasn't sure if it'd be a series that I'd want to be reading all the time. I mean, neither of us kind of hid the fact that really we hadn't followed Fantastic Four for quite a while. So it, again, that I, I remember reading the characters like years and years. We're talking over 25 years now. And even then I kind of enjoyed them, but they weren't my, my, my bread and butter series that I like to read and I like what they've done I, I liked what they did with the, the tail end of Fantastic Four within reason there were certain things that I wasn't as crazy about but I mean that goes without saying and then with this one here I I was wondering how they would make Spider-Man fit in there if it would just be that we need we need that smart ass bozo to replace Storm kind of thing and to a certain degree yeah it's you need that character type to play against all the others but what they found with with, with putting Spider-Man in is that the dynamic between him and the others is way different than it was with Johnny and it it opens up a lot of doors a lot of possibilities i mean when you're looking at issue 4 where he is just in the kitchen upside down talking with sue and she's making the sandwiches i loved that scene <laughs> yeah with a little no crust please and uh it was great because it's it's a dynamic m with a mother figure that he hasn't had. He had his Aunt May, which, I mean, yeah, of course, that's a mother figure. But it wasn't that, you know, mother and father household like you see here with Reed and, 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 and Sue. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to be explored a little bit more in there as well. And then I really loved that series, that, that, that one episode as well, too, or issue, I should say, as well, because... Again, the dynamics that we're seeing between him and everybody else is not just going to open up lines and opportunities for him, but also for the rest of the team. We're seeing a side of Sue where when she's talking to him and he's saying, aren't you worried with all of these supervillains in the other room and she's talking <laughs> smack about them like I, I put them in their place once I'll do it again and I was like you go girl. <laughs> we haven't seen enough of that in Sue so I really actually enjoyed that. Well, one of the most interesting character developments that I'm getting out of the series is what we're seeing with the thing. Um, you know, he had his big freak out when he saw Dr. Doom and, you know, got put in his place. And so he went out drinking. And I loved that line from um, Dragon Man. No one's ever changed the world by hitting something. And that's really what we're seeing here. The Future Foundation is set up to change the world. And, well, what's the thing's job? hitting things so we're really seeing you know one of the iconic characters of fantastic four not really having a role in this new team in this new direction and it, i think it's gonna be very interesting seeing how they develop that and how they treat ben's character and obviously he's eventually going to come around and you know be back to being you know the thing and being part of the team but I think it's going to be very interesting seeing how they play that one out over the next few issues. Well, what we've seen so far from one to four has been 
far more of uh, an intellectual little story arc here where his character just doesn't fit in. And you're seeing that a lot. I mean, even when they brought in Spider-Man for their little brainstorming session and commented on, you know, quite surprised that he actually has a, a modicum of intelligence. And I thought that was pretty funny. But then again, it, it sets you up that even the new guy in the team fits into this story arc better than the thing because he can add to it there's things that he can do whereas like you said the thing does one thing hit things so it it's offered a few kind of little moments here throughout those four issues but i'm sure they're going to again change that throughout so that he's obviously more part of the team and more part of what's going on yeah i mean he's always been an outcast in society just because of his appearance but he's gotten along with it because he still had a home he still had a family and now that he's lost that it could potentially be quite disturbing for him and the other thing that we're getting here is obviously we have a lot of reed okay let me rephrase that we have a lot of reeds (laughs) (laughs) the main storyline they're going with here is that um I forget the name of the group that that they set up uh, back in the Fantastic Four. But basically, various Reed Richards from various dimensions had come together to, you know, look out for the good of humanity across the entire dimensional span because that's what Reed Richards is supposed to do. Well, the core Marvel Universe version of Reed Richards didn't buy into that. And now after various disasters and shenanigans, four of those Reeds have ended up on Marvel Earth. And they are still trying to pull off their grand scheme. You know, there's dimensions out there that are being destroyed because we're not out there watching over it. And it would appear they're willing to sacrifice our worlds to save any number of others. And that's really where the storyline is going. Um, I like that at the end of issue two, once Doom had his mind back, he's like, he's like, oh, yes, we're here to to defeat you. (laughs) Like what? So it was pretty cool when they played that off. And just the difference in this version of Reed, we see that he's pretty much unique in that he's the only Reed Richards that has ever settled down, ever had a family. And he's the only one who's ever had that grounding influence and that morality to rein in his genius insanity. I mean, we've even seen little moments here, like when they were restoring Doom's mind and he was hovering his finger over the purge button of whether or not it was something he should do. But since he was surrounded by his family, he ended up making the, quote, right decision. And it, I, yeah. I think it's a pretty cool little thing there. But that wasn't I didn't think that was anything having to do with his his higher intellect so much as when I read that, I actually thought of he's going to actually he it's that baser instinct in us, not the higher evolved instincts. It's the, the baser instincts of I should really get rid of him once and for all kind of thing. And then you find out later that that's basically what every other reads has done <laughs> to all of uh, any Dr. Doom and any other universe. There's none because they've made a point of making vegetables of them, as they said. So when he's hovering over that button, you can flash back to it and say, ah, that's when that's where it would have happened here. But it's like you said, it's that morality that he has in this universe that sets him apart. Yeah. And and we keep talking about, you know, going back and forth. Oh, this scene in issue one tied into this scene in issue four. And I really think that's been uh, one of the things that's been holding FF back. Because uh, you said when you first, you know, started picking it up, you really weren't that into it until you read through it again, correct? Yeah, basically. And, and it wasn't even after I'd read the first one again, because 
I read the first one again, and in and of itself, I still didn't think that it was a strong enough intro to a new series. I know what they were trying to do now, having read the other ones, and I'm, it's not like I analyzed it to think about what I would have done different, per se, but having now read two, three, and four, yeah, now I can far better appreciate the story art that they're going with, with the um, with the characters, the 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 interpersonal personal relationships and whatnot, and it's working, so... I don't think it needs a second read through so much as just continue right. muscle down, muscle through it kind of thing. Because um, I've been enjoying this. I enjoyed the um, final story arc on Fantastic Four, which was the first time I'd read it, much like you, in forever. So I actually I've been going back and checking out some of uh, Hickman's previous writing on Fantastic Four. And uh, between this and some other of his things I've read, I've noticed that Hickman is really one of those writers that issue to issue it's not that great but when you look at the story as a larger whole you really see you know his master plan coming together things that he teased in fantastic four you know 570 you know a year and a half ago that that stuff is still coming up now he's what they call you know quote in comics a long form story writer and he doesn't write for the issue he writes for the overall story and the issues are just pieces of that so for people who maybe have you know checked out fantastic four or ff here and there try it out as the collected editions i found that hickman's writing more so than just about any other comic writer out there really does read much better as a whole than as these individual pieces. And I think that's what a lot of people's dislike of FF has come from because the individual issues on their own really haven't held up as well as the, the whole story together. And yet you also get these brief moments as well. Whereas Mm. I, I, I'm going to agree with you as, as an set apart issue kind of thing. Many of them, I'm not as crazy about them. I, I can appreciate what's going on. I can appreciate his talent and laying down the story and everything like that. But in and of themselves, each issue, it's not like I finish an issue and go, that was phenomenal. What happens is that I finish a story arc and go, now that was great. So, yeah, that's cool. But yet, e- even within that, you get those little moments that just are fantastic so brilliantly written like i've got it on the screen here where they're in the room and they're talking to try to with the other intelligent people to try to figure out how they're going to restore doom's memories and it's re-talking to val and it's that little when she says i said we need a backup and it's (laughs) just the interplay because you know reed knows what she's doing just keep repeating it. Eventually, it'll clue in, and he'll the, the subconscious will clue, kick in, and he'll figure it out. But it's two pages of this. Would have been <laughs> damn easy for them to do the artwork for this, because I mean, there's there's literally only a couple of differences throughout, but there's so much in those two pages that you can appreciate what's going on between the characters in that one little moment. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and. That goes back to uh, whatever that first issue of Fantastic Four we had talked about, the first one from three, how that's what really sold us on the series was the interaction between Val and Doom. And I love that we're still getting that here, that the best part, you know, best individual scene so far is, again, between Val and Doom. And I, I think we're going to see a lot together. of that. 
I think we're going to see a lot of that. What I'm hoping is that because Spider-Man as a character is way too strong. They're, they're, the personality is just so bloody strong that he steals so many scenes that he's in. And so that's fine. We're going to have that on on the side where, you know, but it's not going to become a Spider-Man series. And so you're going to have these other very strong characters. And I think that Val is going to be one of the strongest characters. It's not going to be your main, your, your Richard, your Sue or, or, or Ben. It's going to be freaking Val. It's going to be the kids that are going to be the ones that are going to be stealing the scenes. Granted, I'm not as crazy about the other ones, but the the interactions between Val and everyone is great. Yeah. Well, speaking of Spider-Man as a character, we do have an actual Spider-Man story to talk about if you didn't have anything else to say here. No, I'm good. Okay. And that is, of course, Ultimate Spider-Man. We had issue 158 come out last week, which is part of the death of Spider-Man. And, well, he still ain't dead. (laughs) Not even close to dead. No. Well, he's getting pretty close. (laughs) And I I had chosen this as my comic of the week for last week because, again, I just loved this whole issue. It was so great seeing, first of all, seeing Johnny and uh, Bobby get their little moment against the six. You know, they're going to be transferring off into the ultimate X-Men title. So getting their their, their last hurrah in this book, I I liked that. And just, just Peter being Peter. That's what I loved about this one. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It was, again, I've been saying too that knowing that we have so much time still, we still have several months before he finally kicks a bucket or whatever the hell happens. And then on top of that, we already know there's going to be a replacement. Which I really, I know that it's all marketing and they're prepping yeah. for it. And and I know they, they it, it all boils down to sales. They need money. Comic industry is hurting. It has been for a long time. So push as much marketing as you can to ramp it up so that people are, are ready to buy the new thing. But I'm really hoping that they would have banked on the death first and then let the replacement be a surprise after because knowing now that it's just going to be somebody else is going to just replace him once it's done has kind of taken a lot of my interest away and yeah it was a great issue i enjoyed it a lot but it was like okay well that means that the bullet shot to him was still i mean yeah there was it wasn't good, obviously. It hurt him. But, I mean, freaking, if you can throw some webbing on it and still take off and do things, you're you're all right. You, you patch up. You'll be fine. You know? So, <laughs> I I don't know. Again, I'm. it was good. I, it was very good. I enjoyed it. It's just, it's still something that I'm finding myself being more blah about than I was before. Yeah, but that last page was great. <laughs> It, it, the entire thing was great. I loved it. And I, yeah. I enjoyed reading. I read the Avengers one after I'd read this, which I think is how you should probably read it. You should read it the other way around so that you know what went on with the Avengers before Spider-Man wakes up. But I thought it was better this way because when he's talking and saying, yeah. where the hell is <laughs> everybody? Happened? They just left me here? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was great. But then when you read the Avengers, you realize, oh, okay, well, a lot more happened there we didn't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, that Avengers one, I, I don't want to go into too much detail on it because just like we said uh, last for the last issue, it's, you know, generic action stuff going on. But one thing I really do have to say, and I have to praise the ultimate offices for, man, when they do a reboot, they do a reboot. They don't mess around. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. I I 
I actually enjoyed this Avengers one quite a bit, and I had not yet. Well, I I'm, I still haven't read all of them yet because I only read three and now four. But I picked up the other ones. So and because I'm a sucker for variant covers, I got the variant. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's like the freaking variant cover for that giant size X Men. I shelled cool. out an extra buck just for that blank one. It's blank. There's nothing <laughs> blank on one. it. But it was like, I can't resist it. It's a variant. It calls to me. This void blank page. Your so, comic guy is going to start photoshopping stuff. Oh, yeah, so no, really. The cover is peeling off. Is that all right? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just put it in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> why, start why sealing them in the, the bags and just say, Don't open it. Whatever you do, <laughs> just don't open it. <laughs> but one thing we have to remember here uh tying in like we see at the end of uh the avengers versus the ultimates issue four you know somebody dies somebody important i'm not going to ruin it and as we know spider-man is going to quote die somehow and that's one thing you have to remember with the ultimate universe in their track record over the last i don't know eight years however long it's been death matters i they have done a great job of keeping their characters dead. When they kill somebody off, it actually has been a pretty big plot point. It hasn't just been, oh, okay, they're dead until they come back. In the Ultimate Universe, they don't come back. And that that's one thing I do have to praise the, the Ultimate Editorial Offices for. They've stuck to that for these last few years. And it lets me know that the people that they're killing off now, possibly Spider-Man, it's not just going to be a gimmick. It is going to be part of the story. It's something that they're going to do and they're going to stick with. And I do have to, to applaud them for that. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes again. I, I, I enjoyed both issues quite a bit. And the Avengers one was a lot of fun. And I am going to, like I said, read the other ones to get caught up and I will definitely finish reading them off. It's I'm sure it, it's ramping up that it's going to be a hell of a finish. Put it that way. Especially when you see what is going on in uh, the Ultimate Avengers versus the New Ultimates towards the end there. You're like, okay, yeah, no, they're not <laughs> they're not messing around here. So I, I am looking to, to seeing how it goes. Yeah, one little fun thing I've noticed in Avengers versus Ultimates. This is one of those things that the comic fans will notice and you won't. Is that when Thor's just hanging out, when he's not, you know, being Thor, he's dressed like Thunderstrike. And if you don't know who Thunderstrike is, shame on you. <laughs> I just love that. That's one of those little touches they put in that myself as a fan of the character, I absolutely loved. I love that Tony Stark paid him to stop talking like a <laughs> just a little bitch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, there are things we don't like right now. And for me, that is Alpha Flight. And I can't say I didn't like uh, last week's issue because I didn't read last week's issue. Alpha Flight is one of those franchises that I pretty much don't care about. They're Canadian. That's all I need to know. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 somebody's forgotten who has their finger on the editorial button. <laughs> <laughs> My problem with Alpha Flight is the point one issue. And as we've seen uh, for this year, Marvel is doing this whole point one initiative, setting up these special issues that are supposed to be jumping on points for good readers. And we've discussed over the various times, some of them have worked, some of them haven't. So last week, Alpha Flight came out with issue 0 0.1 to be the perfect jumping on point for a new reader. 
Well, you know what makes a really good jumping on point for a new reader? Issue freaking one. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you put out an issue before issue one to be a jumping on point? If you're putting out an issue one that new readers aren't going to be into, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And it makes me very, very upset that they're doing the same thing with Ghost Rider because I love Ghost Rider. And we've seen, uh, I think in August or July, we're getting a Ghost Rider 0.1. Stop it, please. Doing a 500.1, okay, I get it. 5.1 is a little iffy. Uh, I think maybe after five issues, if your story is a little too complex for a new reader, you might want to rethink that. But 0.1 is the dumbest marketing gimmick I've ever heard of in my life. And I hate it. And it's ridiculous. Well, that's what it is exactly. It's a marketing gimmick. It's they want to try to get as much hype and sales with the point one as well as that first issue. So that's all it is. People are going to think that they're getting two first issues, essentially kind of thing and buy into both of them. That said, I did pick up the first one, not because I'm Canadian, but because I thought, okay, well, you know what? I've trash talked it a lot. I actually remember when this first came out when I was reading comic books as a kid and thought, you know, this will actually be good. Yes. I'm, Canadian, very proud of it. So I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Because a lot of things can happen here aside from just Weapon X crap. Let's see what can happen. And what had happened is that so much of it fell into stereotypes and it's hard to tell whether or not they knew just how insulting (laughs) it was at points because it's like, you know what? It's all well and good to poke fun at each other. We do. It's, it's, it's all good. Nobody worries about that. But when it's a constant stereotype and you feel like you're just being talked down to and force-fed some things for the sake of sales and to appease, you know, other nationalities, it just rubs me the wrong way. And that series always has. And the fact that it's not even anybody Canadian who's writing it or anything. They, they say that, oh, yeah, somebody's keeping an eye on us and they're they're very Canadian. It's like, well, what the hell is that? <laughs> they're watching your coffee so that nobody, you know, slips something well, into it while you're writing. Let, let me stop you right there. Um, the Alpha Flight was actually created by John Byrne, the longtime artist for Uncanny X-Men, drew some of my favorite stories ever. And he was also goes down as one of the best writers in the history of Fantastic Four. John Byrne is Canadian. Okay. He he created Alpha Flight to just be a throwaway group of uh, antagonists for Wolverine. And they were in one issue and never saw them again for years. But apparently Marvel kept getting a lot of letters going, hey, who were these guys? Hey, we want to know more. So Marvel said, fine, here's an Alpha Flight comic. They had John Byrne, a Canadian, write it. And he hated it. (laughs) he's like he did he wrote it because marvel told him to not because he wanted to do it he's like these characters are so boring so one-dimensional i don't want to write this okay see i didn't realize it was somebody canadian working on it because it just it doesn't feel like it i'm sorry it's not like it's not like i need the freaking big canadian flag like you see on some of these characters and then and, and go, go Canada. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for fantastic stories with characters. Some of them can be from all over the place. Who cares? But some of them from Canada. And then 
but good stories that aren't just about, you know, national unity and crap like that. Hockey. But just yeah, exactly. Give me a break. I just want good stories. When you're getting stories Beavers. from a lot of things, see, stop it now. Anyways. <laughs> See, you're the problem. You, <laughs> but when you're getting stories in other comics, it doesn't have to be so rooted in that nationality. It can just be a freaking comic book. And that's what this would be nice. And already in the first one, no, it's national unity crisis. They make Canada look like it's ready for upheaval any moment. And I'm like, give me a freaking break. It's ironic because, yes, we've had problems in our government lately. I mean, hell, it was dissolved recently, which is the first time that that's ever happened. But I mean, they just had another election and came back. So compared to a lot of other countries, we still got it good. Okay, there's a lot of stupidity in government, but we still got it good compared to a lot of others. And yet they made it seem like, you know what, we're, it's it's falling apart at the seams right now. <laughs> the government is held up by twine. <laughs> that's it. And this this stupidity with the the, the crowds going nuts and this and that. Let me tell you, I live in Ottawa. I'm in the capital, all right? It's it's pretty mellow, okay? People kind of walk around, have coffee and donuts, and if you see somebody who drops their keys, you pick it up for them and say, here, you drop this. You were pretty mellow, easy going, folks. So when you're seeing this and these big crises, I'm going, come on, what what are you, what are you getting wrong here? And I, I didn't enjoy this. I really, really didn't enjoy this. And then, of course, they had to do the, um, the, the, the relationship with, um, uh, who's what's the name of the speed dude? What's his character name? It's Jean Paul, but I can't uh, remember if he's North Star. North Star. So they had to do the the relationship with his gay partner, which is fine. I got, I got no problems with gay relationships in stories, and I know you wrote about this as well for the site, and got no problem with it. But it's one of those things where if you're spending too much time on a relationship, period, whether it's straight or gay, it's like no, you're you're spending way too much time there. And here it becomes something that it feels like is being put there just so that you it's that politically correct gay character in a story. That's how it feels. And so and they may have been trying for something else and maybe I missed it. But quite frankly, I mean, if if, if that's how I feel and I've, I've got gay siblings, I'm very I could give a rat's ass what somebody's preferences are so if i'm feeling that i mean i'm thinking a lot of other people are like okay you're trying to force feed us this and it's it's just not it's not working it ain't happening yeah that's it, something i've spoken about at length previously we, we won't get into it here yeah but as a point one whether it was a point one or the first one quite frankly it failed in my opinion i had i did not enjoy it i just really didn't enjoy it at all and i'm not picking up the first one I mean, later on, maybe if they introduce some other story arcs and they kind of smarten up about what they can do with this, then maybe I'll pick it up at that point. But I really, I didn't enjoy the characters. I didn't enjoy the settings. I didn't enjoy the trying to make it seem like, you know, (laughs) nothing else is interesting. So let's just make it seem like their government is a hell of a lot worse than it is. And we'll go with that. And it's like, oh, come on, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, Pack and Van Lenti as writers, they they have an interesting uh, track record. I mean, they've done good comedy stuff like Incredible Hercules. They they did that one together. They can both do good, you know, dramatic writing, as we saw Van Lenti in Taskmaster and Pack in his several years long run on Incredible Hulk, which has been awesome. But then they can also do stuff like Chaos War, <laughs> which was 
chaos on the page. (laughs) It was entertaining, but I wouldn't call it good. So they can do really good stories. And like you said, there there is potential here if if they just, you know, get it right. And well, I said I didn't read it, so I don't care. No, I if 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 they're going to do it right, either a get new writers or b seriously consider what it is that you're trying to do with the series. Take a page out of series like Uncanny X-Force, where the relationship between the characters is what really drives the series. It doesn't matter, you know the settings that yeah it matters within reason but it's what is holding the series together is that relationship and how much fun it is to see where they're going with that that can still be done with this series but i'm just so far not seeing that that potential from this point one issue yeah so aside from alpha flight uh you've had a pretty uh, big reading list lately what else you got there well let's start with i've been getting caught up on some x-men which is i mean I've been reading the old stuff, but I've also I, I also read that um, Giant Size. Bix, I really liked that. Someone a bitch. It's there. It was like I I liked parts of it, but parts of it were just like really you're rewriting a hell of a lot if you're going to go down this route. I mean, if it's like part of his mind had been blocked off, so he didn't remember the deal that he'd had with these freaking ultra powerful dudes from way back and i'm thinking whoa okay this is going to be this is this has a potential to be very impactful for the canon of x-men not just a little story arc and they just did a similar thing a couple years ago with um i think it was called deadly genesis where we found out there was actually a third summer's brother and um when Uncanny, well, at the time it was just called X-Men, but when Uncanny X-Men was uh, put on hiatus for a while, it left on a cliffhanger with all the X-Men being trapped on an island. And then when it came back years later with you know the multinational team, Colossus and Nightcrawler and Wolverine and all those guys, the mission was to go back and rescue the original X-Men. Well, we found out that there was another team sent in in between, and it failed so spectacularly that Xavier wiped everybody's memory of the event. And then, you know, decades later, you know, it came back to bite them in the butt. So they've done this thing before, and the the Deadly Genesis, I keep calling it Deadly Genesis. I'm not sure if that's what it was actually called. It was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. So if they can pull it off the same way here as they did there, I'm into it. Plus, I mean, Paco is a freaking madman on the art. Oh, dude. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I I didn't like the art that was the flashback kind of stuff, but I can see mm-hmm. why they did it like that to match that issue. But uh, but no, yeah, the art was phenomenal. Okay. So I, yeah, so I got that. And then The Walking Dead. So <laughs> I just read that today, actually. And that was uh, number 85. And they're still working on the um, what's going on with Carl. And whether or not he's going to survive this and all that. And now Rick is essentially trying to, you know, lay down roots and because it's his wanting to run, which caused this, caused him to to lose his girlfriend and the son and then to potentially be losing his son as well. So the wanting to run is no longer a good instinct. Actually relying on your team and uh, all the people that you're with and whatnot and then laying down roots is what's going to save them. So, but I mean, that's not the first time he's done that 
within reasons when he was in the jail that was the same thing too was you know settle down this is going to be home for a good long while but now he's it's it's finally cluing in a lot more because of of course what happened with carl but what's funny is that this is the issue now where they're finally going they're they're finally dealing with the um the letters from the the people who sent in letters from the (laughs) issue number 83 (laughs) And, and it's hilarious. Seriously, if you're not reading this, you have to pick it up just to read the letters. Because, again, this is people read issue 83, saw the double spread with Carl's eyeball and half his brain blown out, went into a tizzy, found themselves a keyboard, and started writing emails off <laughs> to Kirkman. And so you're getting stuff like, that's it. I've had it. I will never read one of your comics again. And almost inevitably, all the time, Kirkman is saying, yeah, I doubt that. We'll see you next issue. <laughs> and it's true. One of them called him fat, and his reply was, I'm not fat. <laughs> Well, actually, it was fat something, but we would have to bleep that out. But these letters are hilarious. We got one guy is a comic book retailer, and he's actually complaining to him, saying, how could you do this? This was the only highlight of my day. I have to leave early today now after reading this and stop by the liquor store because of you. (laughs) That's how seriously people take The Walking Dead. I have to go to the liquor store because you blew Carl's brains out. I mean, as an issue in and of itself, it was it was good still. It's it's that low story arc point now, because, uh, again, Kirkman tends to write like that, too. His story arcs have that, you know, starting off and then your your climax up the hill and then that point where everybody's going to calm down a little bit. And that's what's happening now. And so you're seeing some some relationship issues as well between the characters and and things like that. I mean, it certainly wasn't a roller coaster issue by any means, but it's worth getting just for those letters at the end. (laughs) I, I can't wait to check that one out. I haven't looked at it yet. So that's about it for me. I've been reading a crap load of X-Men. Like I said, that's mainly been my bread and butter for the last little bit now getting caught up. And I finally got to the Kurt getting killed. I was like, oh, oh I know. He went out like a champ, though. Yeah, it was just, oh, man. Yeah. I've been really actually, I've actually been enjoying the whole Hope story arc thing that, that's going on. I, I really need to read a lot more of it. I need to actually pick up all of the tie-ins and everything to get the full scoop of what's been going on. And I want to pick up the New Hope series as well and kind of go through it and see whether or not I like it. I don't know. I don't, actually, I have no idea if people have been liking it or not. Because um, I remember we were talking about it when we were talking about Uncanny X-Men because that's where it started off with the whole five lights deal. And it was kind of iffy then. But once it's been it spun off into its own series i think it was around like issue three or four is when it really clicked for me and i i'm into it like they're they're interesting characters they're they're new which let's face it we don't get a whole lot of good new in comics and i just really like what they're doing with it so far i've been enjoying it well see i want to pick it up because again i want to support this because this is exactly what we've been wanting i want them to not be afraid to kill off characters because they've got the strength in their writers that they can create new characters that are interesting enough that we're going to care about them and even just from the brief glimpses that i've seen of that team within the issues of x-men yeah i can see myself enjoying them and being really into it so that's why i'd like to pick those up Although I would like to make a request to Marvel that I want a Wolverine and Teon miniseries. 
you'll know it when you read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move into our new releases for today. We have from the Marvel side of things, yet another issue of Amazing Spider-Man issue 622. We have Captain America 618, FF number four, which we just talked about. Incredible Hulk 629, Mighty Thor number two. The final issue of the Power Man and Iron Fist miniseries, which has been a blast. Ruse number three, Secret Avengers 13, Uncanny X-Men 537, Venom number three, Wolverine number nine, X-Men Legacy number 249, and here's a good one, the hardcover oh. collected edition of the five Ronin. Dude, so if you taking... miss the individual issues, <laughs> here's your chance. It's... A lot of times I'll say wait for the paperback edition. But this is one you're probably going to want in the hardcover. Oh, but I already have them. And, dude, I, I looked at that when, when my comic book dude said to the list out to everybody what's coming out. And I saw that. And I went, no, don't email back saying you want it. Don't email. <laughs> you own all the individual issues. Don't get it. I, I haven't picked it up. I haven't ordered it. But, dude, oh, man, I want it. I just I want it. Yeah, that, that one's going to look real nice <laughs> sitting on the bookshelf. Oh, Jesus. I'll probably right. pick it up, you know. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> All right. For DC, we have Green Lanterns uh, run amok here. We have Green Lantern 66, Green Lantern Core 60, and Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number 10, parts uh, 7, 8, and 9 of the War of the Green Lanterns. Um, I don't know. I checked out the first couple issues. Wasn't really that into it, but it's a thing. It's there. And uh, we have Zombie number 3, which I've really been enjoying from DC. Again, it's something new, so... Check it out. The, the sales on that one have not been very uh, pleasant. And then, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm actually taking a break from freaking power lights for a little while there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Power rings can take a break, a little breather. Let me get caught up on some other stuff going on. <laughs> and then rounding out, we have Incorruptible 18, Traveler number seven, and Super, Super Dinosaur, Dinosaur number two. It's one of those comics where if you have a younger reader in your house, you know, eight, 10, maybe 12 or so. But why did you put this in there? <laughs> because I'm recommending it to, hey, if you've got a kid, check it out. My nephew loves Super Dinosaur. So there you go. Okay. And one of our listeners loves Super Dinosaur because he has the intellect of an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Is it Joe? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. And uh, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you for checking out issue 28. Uh, please check us out at comicbookinformer.com or again on Twitter, CB Informer. Uh, we have our iTunes. We would like some reviews. I, I saw some knucklehead left us a review. Again, you know who you are. <laughs> and we'll see everybody next week. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw. And behold, a white horse. There's a man Hello. Now you can hear me. Ah, I know what I'm doing. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> Flying by the seat of our pants this episode, just how we like it. What are you talking about? There's a show notes. Yeah, How is I that know, flying from the seat of your pants when there's show notes? We're, we're mixing it up. We're mixing They're it up. They're pretty like detailed show notes too. 
<laughs> it's not like just talk crap about comics here and Alpha Flight. <laughs> there's there's actual <laughs> show notes. comic chat here. <laughs> Place Rage Ring on your finger at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Intro. Blabber. Outro. Done. <laughs> All right. Dude, I was almost in tears reading the letters in this issue. I was like, oh, this put me in the perfect mindset for the, the recording this episode because I'm reading this and it's just like hatred. People are so mad. It's just. I read it. I enjoyed both issues and it was like, hmm. Meh. <laughs> it's pretty sad that I'm more excited about freaking Future Foundation than I am about the death of Spider-Man. Because at least you don't know where the Future Foundation is. Yeah, coming. that's one thing. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks.